This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. I believe right now, college athletics has some of the most hardest working and outstanding photographers making some of the best images in the photo industry today. Chet White is one of those photographers. At the University of Kentucky for the last 10 years, Chet has seen major changes in the way athletic departments now look and use his images. Now everything's here today, gone tomorrow. You know, back then it's like, you know, you took your time taking one picture. And sometimes you didn't have very many left. So it, it helped me kind of learn how to look through a viewfinder. And though I didn't know it then, but to make an image. I think film helps you do that. It helps you make an image, not just take a picture. I think you're a little bit more thoughtful using film. And it's a great way to learn. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from farmers, sports writers, and photographer Katie Myers. You know, there's a hundred photographers, and they're all getting the same job. But what can I do differently? And and that's kind of where I learned to turn my back away from the action a lot of the time and capture the other moments. A lot of the time, I didn't know what the score was or who was winning or things like that because I was so focused on everything else going on besides the action. It was the other action. Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break from my sponsor before diving into my conversation with Chet White. I am so fortunate I get to sit down with Chet. How are you this morning, my man? I'm fabulous. This is a pleasure to meet you. Uh, It's always great to talk to another person that's got a color last name. (laughs) Mr. White. Mr. Mr. Brown. Brown. Yeah, we should uh, have a law firm. It'd be very plain. (laughs) You are you are living the dream, and I don't know if you know it, and maybe you do, but being the university photographer for Kentucky in the athletic department as the director of photography is a very, very magical thing. Do you know how blessed you are? I do. Uh, I forget sometimes, but I'm reminded all the time. <laughs> uh, yes, I mean, people would love to have my job. Um, I love my job. I take it extremely serious. Super grateful that I have it. I plan on being there for a long time. Uh, and it's opened a lot of doors for me and some amazing experiences. Right. So I'm very, very fortunate to land where I landed. How, let's let's go back in the Wayback Machine. Mr. Brown and Mr. White jump in it. Where do we, where do we find you falling in love with photography? I started out as a print major. I wanted to write. Okay. Uh, first time around through school, didn't really last. Uh, went for a couple of years. It wasn't for me. Quit school and then took a job out in Yellowstone in the summer of 1999, um, washing dishes. And there I bought my first camera in Bozeman, Montana, made payments on it through the summer, uh, an old Pentax Program Plus film camera, uh, bought it in 1999. The next year I decided to go to Western Kentucky University and study photojournalism. And that was my camera for the first uh, few semesters fell in love with it ever since. Uh, so we're saying from washing dishes to falling in love with photography and you're off to Western Kentucky. Yeah, pretty much. That was my second go around at Western Kentucky. Right. The first time I went there for print journalism. Yeah. But I mean, that's a major love affair all of a sudden. What was the switch in Yellowstone to make you decide like, I kind of like this medium. I like what this click sounds like. Yeah. Like capturing the, like I'd never been on a plane, uh, had never hardly been out of Kentucky, really. And just seeing things that were so new to me, uh, whether it's landscape or people. And then 
having this ability to capture those moments uh, to save like things that I'd never seen before. You know, we didn't have phones, smartphones back then. Right. You know, and it allowed me to have a creative side um, to myself. And I still, it still feels the same way to kind of get lost in my creative space with a camera. And that camera's done that for me ever since I bought one. Wow. What did you like, what were you shooting at in Yellowstone? What was just anything? Yeah. Bice. I mean, you know, I, Worked at the Old Faithful in uh, near this bison in your backyard, elk, um, taking drives. Uh, we spent a lot of time in Bozeman, Montana, you know, uh, cityscapes, nature, uh, friends when we'd go camping. Right. Yeah. So did Did you love the fact that you had to, when you're utilizing film, you had to kind of wait for that process, wait for that film to come back? Yes. And even more so, you know, like thinking back on it, now everything's here today, gone tomorrow you know, back then it's like, you know, you took your time taking one picture because sometimes you didn't have very many left. So it, it helped me kind of learn how to look through a viewfinder. And though I didn't know it then, but to make an image, I think film helps you do that. It helps you make an image, not just take a picture. I think you're a little bit more thoughtful using film and it's a great way to learn. Uh, I think. Yeah. I mean, it does slow down your process. You just don't start clicking away. You realize you've only got 24, 36, and everyone yeah. counts. You don't get sloppy. You know, you stop and think. You do a lot more composing. You damn sure. well sure makes your exposures, right? Yes. <laughs> There's and I no... still have that camera. <laughs> do you really? I do, yes. Yeah. Wow. So when was the last time you used it? Ten years ago. It's sitting in my okay. office in the UK. Uh you know, I'd love to pull it out, but it's just, you know, yeah. I've got a few other cameras to right. use too. <laughs> You got a hundred other in line. But now all the kids, you know, a bunch of students, whether they're in our video sports video department or, you know, our interns, they have film cameras and they are falling back in love with shooting film. And I love it. It's great. But they're all shooting film on their own. I think it's fabulous. Isn't that amazing how there's been like a resurgence of analog film coming back and they think you're like the cool guy because you used to shoot film instead of like the old guy that used to shoot film. <laughs> and I have to remind them that just because you shot it on film doesn't make it a great picture or a good picture. That's damn you know? true. <laughs> that's so true. But I love the fact that they're, you know, I think that's helping them with their thought process as well, as far as making a picture. Cause when you're shooting sports, you know, you're just going, going, going. Um, you don't really have time to, to compose as a football player's running towards you or something's happening. You're just trying to get the action, but with the film, you can slow down, put it in the frame, what you want to put in and make your own picture. Yeah. So, what was then the deciding factor like, okay, this camera and I are, are working well together. I'm going back to Kentucky and I think I'm going in this direction from print to, to you know, to, to the click, the camera, the shutter bug. That's such a 180. What was that decision like for you? I don't know what triggered it, but all I know is that once I got there and submerged myself in it, it was one of the greatest things I've ever done for myself. Uh, going to Yellowstone, I would say was, was a huge thing for me as far as opening up and meeting people from not only all over the country, but all over the world and getting different viewpoints and learning new things from people. Cause I mean, I'm from the South end in Louisville uh, in Kentucky uh, that opened my eyes to a whole new world. And then going to photojournalism school at Western Kentucky, it was the same way you had, you had college students, but you also had non-traditional students mm -hmm. who were coming from all over the country and, you know, 
parts of the world, different parts of the world. Right. Um, and then once people started allowing me to like tell their story, um, it, it changed my life. I can definitely say that that studying photojournalism changed my life and opened my eyes to a whole new world. I'm not sure what made me want to do it other than I thought taking pictures would be cool. Um, you know, if somebody's going to pay me to take pictures, sure. I'd love to do that. I never thought I would. I never, I, I remember being at a UK basketball game with some friends before as I, I think it was a freshman at Western and like told one of my friends like, Hey, one day I'm going to be down there shooting basketball. And he just kind of laughed, you know, and I, it was kind of a pipe dream, but, and then, you know, however many years later, that's where I'm at. I honestly never thought I would be doing it, but I am. That, that is, cool. that is amazing to be sitting there in the stands trying to visualize yourself being there courtside with all the other photographers. I'm sure there were a lot back then on that court. Yeah. And you want to make that happen. Yeah. How quickly in those couple of years are you just um, like immersing yourself in photography? Like, was it all in for you at Western Kentucky? It was. Yeah. Cause I had a lot of my other classes finished from the previous time that I went to Western. So I was able to dedicate, you know, all of my time, you know, and, and your friends were other photographer or, you know, photo students. Um, you know, we travel just to go shoot stuff, you know, take weekend trips. Yeah. I, I loved it. See, that's it the all good in. thing is you were immersed with other photographers, right? There's something you guys have that bond. You have that something in common where you're like, let's, let's go here this weekend, whether it's yeah. to Tennessee or Virginia, wherever, any state, or are we just staying in within yours and finding a national park or an event, a festival, and just go make some pictures? Yeah. And then at Western, there was no shortage of people who were willing to do that with you either. Right. I'm sure. It was amazing. How big was the program, or at least how many kids were you surrounded with? I mean, there's a, I'd say, you know, 200, wow. I would think. Uh, back then, I'm sure it's smaller now as, as the landscape has changed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was huge. That's a lot um, of people to be bumping ideas off of. That's great. Yeah. And my numbers might not be completely accurate, but sure. there's a lot of photo students at right. Western. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Well, I'm sure between the time crazy good. your freshman year and your senior year, you were probably 200 people you bumping ideas off as they were coming and going. So that's even better. Yeah, You weren't stuck yes. with a group of like 80 for four years and you never knew anybody else before or after. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, being in the lab, you know, you'd have freshmen coming in and you would help them. And when you were young, you looked up to uh, older kids and you knew what they were doing. Right. Um, that was the greatest thing. Like eventually kids outside of classes, students were able to teach and help other students. Yeah. That's huge. That's absolutely yes. huge. What was your thought process in college? Were you like, okay, this newspaper thing is where I want to go or was it magazine or commercial? Like, did you start to set your sights on a area? It was newspaper work. Okay. I think that's all I ever thought that I wanted to do once I started studying, you know, now, you know, there was also doing documentary work for magazines, right. that kind of stuff. Like I, I just wanted to do documentary work uh, or newspaper work, whichever. Um, yeah. That's, that was the path I was going to go. Um, in newspapers. Yeah. Did you love the storytelling of documentary getting in there, yes. immersing yourself yeah. with your subject? I did. I, did. I love that too. It, yeah. Uh, when somebody's going to, you know, let you into their life and bring a camera, you know, and yeah, it's, it, it means something, you know, to the photographer and also to that person that you're telling their story. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, if you can 
If you can capture this beautiful moment at 1 25th of a second and freeze it in time and forever keep it, whether it was on film or, you know, pixels now, and it means something to you and them, there's just a connection, a bond you two make that's just magical. That's hard to do in any other career. Yes. Uh, so I came, so my initial impression of photographers, photojournalists growing up was not a good one. Okay. Um, so I lost my father to in a workplace shooting when I was a freshman in high school in 1989. It was one of the first workplace shootings in the country. Wow. Um, yeah. So I was a freshman and, you know, as big as it was, you know, there's the national news, they were everywhere. Um, there were pictures, the, the courier journal, but they did a great job of covering it. Um, but to see, you know, your father being carried out on a stretcher and you could tell it was him because he, my father was in a fire when he was young and he had burns uh, on parts of his body. And that's how we could identify him in a picture. And so that picture kind of lived with me all through high school. Um, I hated photojournalists. They would show up at church funerals. They were everywhere. Uh, but later on in life, um, I came to realize that was the last picture of my dad. And, you know, that made me want to pursue photojournalism because I had that. And I knew it wasn't, I then knew it wasn't their fault, the photographer's fault, but you wanted to place blame on somebody. Mm -hmm. But as I grew and then started studying photojournalism, I came to appreciate having that, that picture in that moment. Chet, that is amazing. That, that, that venomous feel you have that then becomes this like blossom flower of like understanding. It was kind of therapeutic for sure. So now does that make you more when you were in the journalism world, you know, all the way, where does that make you more aware of your subject and dealing with them? Yes. Uh, yes, for sure. Uh, I was not a very strong spot news photographer. Okay. (laughs) Uh, that was not my forte, but for sure. Um, I always went, I treaded carefully and I felt bad, you know, getting in people's faces or, you know, at that, I just couldn't do it. Right. Um, as much as I tried and I just kind of accepted that's not who I was going to be as a photographer. Uh, and one of my teachers told me that once and it stuck with me and I was okay with it. Okay. Yeah. Because it also then becomes a style thing too. Like that's just not your style. You're not going to like, any atoms up and just be like right in there. You might sure, be the yeah. more, you know, Brian De Palma kind of feel of the big picture kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's both those, both those imagery, or both of those images need to be made. I knew I wasn't going to be a spot news type photographer carrying the scanner and, and you know, searching that stuff out. Uh, and I was fine with that. Yeah. That's okay. Who wants to really so. be up at four in the morning chasing down <laughs> fires? Well, the- I think a lot of people uh, used to <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> more than you think. Right. I guess, uh, but that's, that's kind of what led me to my path into photojournalism. Okay. Um, so yeah. when did you start to take on some internships at Western Kentucky? Was it something to, like, you're like, okay, I want to be here, here, here. And we're, and were you ever cognizant of like, did you want to leave the region? Like you're a Kentucky guy in the middle were you ever fear, fierce like, I don't want to go to the Northwest or I don't want to go to Florida? I'd much rather go to the Northwest than Florida. Okay. But <laughs> no, I would go, I would go anywhere. Um, yeah, it was. And at Western, you know, they pushed for you to apply for internships, but also to understand that you're going to get a lot of rejection letters. 
Yeah. You know, you have to come to terms with that. Uh, and I wasn't that good to where I was going to get every internship that I applied for. My first one came, it was close to summer in uh, the newspaper in Florence, South Carolina had somebody who bailed out on them or something and they needed somebody quick. And I, I jumped at it, took it, moved to Florence, South Carolina and worked for like, I think two months. How was that? Did you learn a lot? Oh yeah, definitely. It was hot. Uh, it was down in the, the PD region, uh, but I loved it. I covered a NASCAR race. I think it was at Darlington, um, and just the community there. Uh, it was amazing. My biggest one that I always wanted was the Roanoke Times. Okay. Uh, and it, it never worked out. So then I just I took a job in Lynchburg eventually, uh, which is really close. But I loved all the Roanoke photographers. I loved what they did. They were amazing. Uh, what? Why was that? What? Staff. What did you see in them that you liked? Their well, photo play is from the newspaper perspective. Like they played photos amazing, like big photo spreads. And they also had an amazing staff, you know, Kyle Green, Josh Meltzer, missing a bunch of names, but yeah, right. they were really talented and they had great photo play. They were known as a, as a photo paper. That's great. God love them. was in the mountains. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, I, I've always had a soft spot for any newspaper that had the, uh, the, the brand of the photo paper, right? They had good play. Jasper, Indiana, the Herald. Yes. Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I remember when I was coming up, they had one and I was like, wow, five column color across. Ooh, that sounds good (laughs) on a broadsheet, you know? (laughs) So were, were you then thinking, okay, I'm, I'm just going to keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. When I find something, I'm going to stick for a while. Yeah. Uh, then came the uh, post-register, the Idaho Falls post-register. It was a six-month internship, so I took a semester off school. Okay. Went out to Idaho Falls for six months and had a blast. It was just on the backside of the Tetons. It was amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. Good Lord. I mean, that, that's... Just learning the day-to-day process of newspaper work. Right. What? Um, now, had you worked on the school newspaper? Yes. Okay, so yeah. you had an understanding of like what was going to be required Yes. In the real world now, because like college newspaper can be a little bit of a safety net. When you were thrown out in the real world, were you shocked, overwhelmed? Did you embrace it? Like what were yours, those experiences, real world journalism? I think I embraced it. I think the, the schooling at Western, you know, and then being on the school paper taught us very well that when you're out there, you know, this is kind of what it's like, you know, but not to that extent. Um, but we were prepared for the most part. I feel like I was. That's good. Um, yeah, we had amazing instructors. Um, and then, you know, with the newspaper, just, it was just like a regular newspaper. The thought that went into it. Right. And so, the selection of photos. and Right. I mean, um, what was, did they kind of put you in like, okay, we're going to give you a little bit of everything. You're going to do some portrait work and you're going to cover sports and you got to, it was everything. you got the beat, you know, you're, you're seven in the morning until four in the afternoon or whatever it would, would be. With the internships? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was everything. And uh, I want to say it was probably a rotating schedule. Okay. Um, and, you know, most of those papers didn't have large staffs that I was at. You know, they yeah, might have two, had three guys. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Three at the max. Sure. And uh, I think in South Carolina, it might have been one other person. So you're, yeah. And that's all you wanted to do, anyways. That's why you were there. Right. So you, that's all we did. Yeah. You had no problem doing seven assignments a day. No, no. <laughs> Just the more, you know, the better. Right. Um, when, cause you're, you're in school at the time of really like the emergence of digital. When did you start to put your hands or your eyeball in front of that digital camera? I think it was probably my second or third semester. Okay. What was that? That big Canon film sports camera, the one in. 
Yeah. The N9, N9000, whatever the hell it was. It was massive. Yes. Uh, it was a <laughs> it tank. Was, it, it was, was like this big. It was my second or third semester. And I probably bought it with a student loans, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, that's what we spent our money on was camera, right, camera yeah. equipment. Yeah. And it was going from, to, from film to digital. Uh, I was still lucky enough to where they had the films, the labs and stuff. And we were shooting a whole bunch of film. I'm very lucky to have had that before the switch just went completely digital. Right. Did you, did you have a good, like good people around you to give you the foundation of how digital was working back then? Cause it was such the wild west. I think it was new to everyone. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think probably a lot of it were other students coming back from internships where, you know, they may have been more advanced in the digital world um, and learning and coming back and teaching us. But I know everything looked like shit out of those cameras. Uh, it did. It they were, did. they were terrible. <laughs> it did. If you think about what, what those cameras were able to produce and you're stunned that anything even made the paper. The quality was just absolutely garbage. Your ISO limitations, the crop factor. It was just a mess. Yes. It was, it was not pretty. <laughs> it was not pretty. I mean, the guys who covered nine 11 with those digital cameras, our iPhones today are better quality cameras than what those guys had back then. Yeah. And yeah. that's only 20 years ago. And I remember we learned a lot from that experience of 9-11 because I don't know which picture it was, but a photographer went and he went from outside to inside and didn't change his white balance. Mm-hmm. And it gave this really crazy, I don't know if it was, he was in, what kind of light he was in, but it was this really blue effect just because he didn't change his white balance. Right. You know, and they always hammer that in us. You know, if you're, as soon as you walk out the door with your cameras, make sure your camera's ready, put it, the white balance correct. And if you go into a new situation, change it and make sure you're ready. And right. I still think about that. Oh, yes. Yeah, even though <laughs> if you're shooting raw now, you're okay. Sure. But even then, you still got to you still gotta help yourself out and make sure yeah. you're, you're going from, you know, 6,000 Calvin to 3,200 Calvin or whatever. It's a huge switch all of a sudden. Yeah. So I think that, that was a huge uh, learning thing for me. Um, just because people were out in the real world when that switch was, that transition was happening and like real events that you had to be on top of. Right. When, when do you get to Virginia? Right. Was that the news advocate in Virginia? Uh, the uh, news in advance. News in advance. Okay. In Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay. Uh, just right in central Virginia. Um, 2000. Between 2006 and 2007. Okay. Is that, that's after school, right? Cause you've graduated. Yeah. That's yeah, your it was first... My first job right after school. Are you, are, how pumped are you to be like, Oh my God, I got a job out of school. Yes. I was excited. And <laughs> being in, in central Virginia in the mountains. Um, it was, it's beautiful country, uh, small town. There was three of us, uh, on staff there. It was great. Did you it's a great re- first job. Did you replace someone retiring or someone moving on? That's always the interesting thing when you I, get those small town jobs. I think it was somebody moving on. Yeah. yeah. It was a super young staff. Right. It's like yeah. uh it's like minor league baseball. Like you went to you went to single A and they moved up to double A. And so everybody just kind of goes up the peg. Yes. Yeah. Take your take your turn. <laughs> yeah, take your turn at it. Climb so, the way up. So you were playing for the Virginia Wildcats or whoever the hell it was <laughs> back then, and you made the best of it. Yes. Tried to at least. Yeah, right. Was now you've you you 
reference it a couple times. You like you would say the mountains of this or that. Are you a real country guy where you love to be around nature and the mountains? No, no, but I do love the mountains. Uh, And you know that was my first time living around them or, or being in them, and I was I've always run, and it was my first time getting into like trail running and running in the mountains, which I fell in love with. Yeah, and it's just I mean, wake up and take a drive and. There's the Blue Ridge Mountains. Right. Because um, it, it'll start to show in your work when you're in these beautiful places. Like, you know, I, I was raised around cement. We didn't have, like, the glorious, you know, Kentucky Mountains where then you go to a place like that and you're like, oh, my God, there's real weather. I can make it work in these pictures. Sure. Like, yeah. I've never had to work in snow day to day or cold weather. Like, right. we call cold, we put on a sweatshirt, right? Like, that's not how it works in December in Virginia or Kentucky. <laughs> No. Yeah. So <laughs> we're still the, waiting on spring. Yeah. <laughs> but did you find that kind of cool and then something you can utilize in the imagery that you were making those, the weather and the mountains? Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, depending on where you were um, for sure. And then like, you know, if you're just going feature hunting, sometimes I would go just drive in the mountains, um, right. take a drive. Oh, it's nice. good for, good for my head and good for something different than the paper. All right. Uh, but I just like the mountain, I like a mountain community. I feel like people are in certain areas for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's like why people, people who move out, out West, um, a lot of people aren't from certain areas that they move to, you know, but people come to there and they're happy and that they move there for a reason. Yeah. And I kind of felt that way about Virginia. Right. Was it something you're thinking around sitting going, I'm going to be here a while or were you immediately thinking, okay, where's my next game plan up the peg? I think you're always thinking about that, especially as a young photographer who wants to, you know, get to that point. That's, I don't know. Uh, Cause we're never really satisfied. Are we um, always looking for something else? Um, but yeah, I think I was probably always looking, um, always looking at the wrong up times <laughs> and they were like, you know, just 45 minutes uh, West of Lynchburg. So um, but no, I was, I was happy there. Um, settled in for a little bit and I, I loved it. Made the best pictures you could there. Yeah. What trying. was, what were the kind of assignments? What were you, what were you trying to get better at while you were there? Cause that's also something young photographers always trying to do is like get better, prove the portfolio, show the next yes. editor. Uh, probably definitely portraiture. Okay. A lot of those portraits assignments, they're just on the fly and, um, trying to make the most out of those that you can, um, uh, shooting sports. I've always loved shooting sports, but getting those nice moments, the good action photos and just making your portfolio as strong as you can, uh, from the get go and not ever being sat truly satisfied with something. Uh, it's kind of how I looked at it. Always wanting to do better. Right. That's the, I think that's the thing we kind of lose as we get older. Like when we were younger, we're like so hungry to get better, to move up the peg. And then we get to a certain place and we're like, ah, this is pretty comfortable. I think I'm okay making the same picture every day. <laughs> yeah. So when you're around youth, young photographers, and you see their like crazy energy and they're just like hummingbirds all over the place. And you're kind of like, oh yeah, I remember those days. Yeah. yeah. I, st- I still got to have that hunger. Yes. Yeah. It's always nice to do that. So how in God's green earth then do you find your way back home? Let's see. So yeah, uh, I spent three and a half, four years in Lynchburg and decided to move back to Kentucky. Was going to do the freelance thing, shoot weddings, 
do all that stuff, try to make that happen. And I was there for maybe a month or two and, and got a call from uh, Dwayne Peavy over at UK and said they were looking for a photographer. I'd never met him, didn't know anybody at UK. Uh, he had offered somebody, they lost, they had a photographer who was there for 20 something years, 22 years, same guy, amazing photographer. He left and they needed somebody. It was, you know, it was August, I think in the summer, right when photo shoots are getting ready to start. He contacted another photographer who was out of West Virginia who had done some work for them. I didn't know him. We don't know each other, but his older brother and my brother were really good college friends and we knew of each other. This guy wasn't interested in the job, had his own thing going and gave my number to Dwayne PV over at UK. And that's how he contacted me. Extremely lucky in being in the right place at the right time. The guy knew that I just moved back to Kentucky. Very fortunate that it fell in my lap like it did. And you moved back to that part of Kentucky, not any yes. other part of Kentucky. Right. Yeah. Holy <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you, let's say you decided like, I want to be in Louisville instead of Lexington, or I want to be in some other remote spot and just work that, or I'm going to the capital. Like that is uh, just luck, but yeah, you're ready for it. Yeah. So he brought me in and did a test shoot uh, and went from there. What was that test shoot? It was a volleyball uh, uh, poster shoot. Okay. <laughs> I didn't have any lights or anything. I didn't, I just moved back, had a couple cameras uh, and had a, my old college roommate who's a photographer studied at Western, brought him along uh, in his lights and we shot it and it turned out great. That's great. What did you end up doing? Did you have like one person you had to make a portrait of? And we had three people with uh, a bunch of their trophies around. There were okay. three athletes, three returning athletes, and uh, some of their trophies around. And I think we used three or four lights. Um, yeah, and I, I owe so much gratitude to uh, his name's Bobby Burge for helping me out in those years and helping me get started. Big shout out to Bobby then, huh? Yeah, I, I couldn't have done it without him. <laughs> Were, for sure were you a were you a light guy did you like strobes was that something you explored i didn't have much experience in it at all yeah but now it's my favorite now it's my favorite thing to do right because it's small papers it's very rare you might have some old equipment maybe a bulb or two like nobody's running around with you know no hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of pro photo gear for you to yeah. use at the small little paper no no not at all uh my experience is extremely limited um but now like i said it's it's my favorite part of the job is the portrait work. Did you, I mean, obviously you didn't, but it's kind of silly. Like why didn't you even look at Kentucky as a viable, like freelancing client? Was that something you never even thought of? Never thought of it. It wasn't sports image imagery coming out of schools. Like there was no social media. There was, it was all for print or uh, the website. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't even know about what their website looked like at that point. I just never even thought about it. And I think the photographer before he already had his own team of freelancers that he worked with mm -hmm. never even crossed my mind to look at athletics or a university. I thought it, it was all newspaper this? work. 2010? 2010 and 11. Yeah. So this is way before there was not an Instagram, a Twitter, uh, any no. of that crap that we've got to fill now. No. So it was basically the website and getting stuff out for print. They were still probably making media guides, right? Yeah. Media. Yes. Media guides, heavy on the media guides. You know, yeah. you go to a baseball game, you had a whole table full of like thousands and thousands and thousands of pages stapled right. together. And then there's posters, 
pocket schedulers, yeah. mailers, alumni yeah. stuff. So you're just feeding that beast before the social media came. Yes. Uh, and those were huge. Our posters, um, you know, I mean, each poster was different and you had to come up with ideas. I'd work with our designers and trying to come up with ideas. Uh, and usually they would, they used to come up with the ideas and they'd find a movie poster and like, we want to do this. I'm like, that movie poster was probably shot with, I don't know what, like a hundred thousand dollar budget and about 30 people on site. <laughs> and I, I've got, a, I've got a couple flash, you know, <laughs> Canon flash units uh, and myself, I, I will try, yeah. uh, but you might have to use some design skills, right? Uh, but that, we would try to mimic movie posters uh, and things like that. Same thing. Same yeah. thing here. Yeah. That's what you yeah. did. Some but of- now it's, now they tell us they need something shot and they don't even ask. They just let us do it and come up with our own ideas. Oh, thank which God. Is the That's- most rewarding thing for me is that they trust us that we can come up with something creative and push it out. So when you were running that test, were you, how, were you terrified? Were you confident? Like terrified looking confident. <laughs> If that, if that's a thing, <laughs> that's a deodorant ad. Don't let them see you sweat. Yeah. Chad, don't let them see you sweat. <laughs> it was, you know, it was great. We, we lined it up. We got there early we practiced and everything and made sure we had it and they brought them in and it looked great. So like, what's the discussion? Like, uh, we want to hire you as like a full-time employee, bring you in and you're sitting there going, but I have freelance work. I got a wedding possibly or a bar mitzvah. <laughs> like, no, it was, everything was off the table at that point. I was like, yeah, just keep talking to me. Uh, <laughs> Yes. I mean, I want this job. Uh, yeah, it was, it couldn't have been any more, any, any more seamless. Um, just meeting with everybody and the role has changed drastically, you know, and they had to get it finalized and my job has changed a lot since then, but, sure. um, I didn't travel hardly at all when I first started. Yeah. Like let's, let's walk through that first year. What was their expectations and what was your expectations? Well, I gathered a team up of freelance photographers that I knew most of them were all from college at Western gathered a team of photographers and we started covering everything and doing all the poster shoots. I didn't travel with basketball the first year or two uh, until postseason came. And then I did um, my first five years, we went to four final fours, uh, which, you know, my second year was Anthony Davis, uh, that group. It was eye-opening I just never been like going to these huge domes for a final four coming from a small newspaper yeah uh it was an eye-opening experience um we covered everything like we do now um they wanted everything covered you know and then they were paying freelancers for each thing they shot and the, the workflow has since changed as well as you know yeah yeah it was basically doing the posters covering the home events not traveling at all how were you like now now you're managing you know, teams and freelancers and schedules and archives. How were you that, like that first year dealing with all that? Cause now you went from like at Virginia, South Carolina, all those other places as the photographer to like, now you're like the publisher, you're the top guy running that department. How was that for you? I don't think I understood that that's what it was at that point. I think I was just trying to make sure we got everything covered. I've never looked at it as being like, that big of a job. Uh, I was grateful that I had it, but I, I didn't, wasn't sure I realized everything that came with it. Uh, and I don't think they knew either. This was all new. We had new people in our media relations department. It was, everything was new. And we were trying to figure it out as we went. And my job sometimes changed on a daily basis. You know, it's, there was no real structure to the job at first. Um, so we were kind of just developing all of that as I started. 
uh, in creating this department. Wow, that's great that you had fresh people. So there wasn't expectations or, you know, someone yeah. always kind of telling you, this is how we did it 10 years ago. When you're all new, it's, you know, every man yes. like pulling in the same direction. It was, it was challenging, um, but I just kept doing what I did until somebody told me different. How, how was it now? Like it's one thing when you go to a, a basketball game as, you know, it's a small town newspaper covering the high school game. You roll in for, you know, a half, shoot, maybe go to the other game, shoot that one. Now you're, you're the guy, you're the team photographer covering, you know, probably women's volleyball was your first sport, maybe some cross country, whatever. But as the year goes on, like football, everybody's looking towards you and your decision-making. Like how was it for you to be like the guy running the stadium, right? Like, and having complete access and being able to do whatever you want. Uh, I'm, I'm not a real good, I mean, I'm a good leader, but I'm not, how should I put this? I like people too much and I, I, I'm not mean. I try not to be mean, but I, I want everybody to have a fair chance, mm-hmm. I should say. Uh, but now it's, I'm at the arena three hours early for a basketball game and I'm there two hours after the game because of our needs are different. Uh, but I don't know. I, I never really looked at it as being, what the job actually is. I was just there to take pictures and, and help, you know, make sure everybody's in the right spots. Um, I never really looked at it as anything other than that's my job. Right. I don't know if I'm answering No, that but no, no, but that's but, it. Because it's, it's, it's new to you all of a sudden, you know, it's, you were, you went from being one of those guys on the floor to the guy that can move people around on the floor. Oh, you're an out of town guy or you're a new guy. You're doing a story. Let me help you. You know, if you go over here, this guy's right handed. He goes to the hoop more often this way, or you're giving advice that running back he's injured today. So he's going to be on the bench. Like you're now the guy who everybody's going to look to for answers. Hey, check. Can you help me out? Yes. And and I take that part extremely serious um, because whenever I travel and go on the road, I want somebody to take care of us. Just like we're going to take care of you when, when you come to Rupp Arena. Right. Um, and it's one of the things I teach all of our interns. Uh, don't be an ass. doesn't matter how good you are at what you do. People are going to remember whether you were not very nice or not. Like that's what I try to teach everybody. Um, but I actually, I like that role because I get to know people um, and learning. I learn something pretty much every game when other photo- like seasoned photographers come in and especially my first, you know, eight, 10 years there. I was always leaning on people and asking questions and trying to learn something every game while trying to manage the sidelines as well. So I've learned so much from other people while also trying to help other people at the same time, if that makes sense. No. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, it's your first time in that position. It's not like you came from, let's say a, a ball state. You were the team guy there for a couple of years and then go to Kentucky. You were like a small town newspaper photographer, come to freelance, come home. All of a sudden they hand you this Ferrari. <laughs> like just, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And the guy I replaced was there for so long that they had, you know, they knew what they were doing they had it all set, you know, year after year. Um, right. I mean, that guy had been there almost new. as long as you were alive. Yeah. That's amazing. 22, 23 years. Jeez. Yeah. He's an amazing photographer, super talented. So yeah, I mean, they had their, their thing. Uh, and then I came in and like, you know, what are we going to use for headshots? Uh, 
What's our background going to look like? All that stuff changed. Right. Yeah. Are we going wide? How to try, how to shoot headshots that are going to look consistent. Right. Yeah. You 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 want everything to look the same. Right. So it was a learn, learn by doing (laughs) for a while. It still is. Sure. It's evolving. What you walked into that time and what you are walked in in this August, totally different. Yes. Did, uh, did you guys have strobes in the arena? Did you have to deal with that learning curve? Uh, I'd shot on strobes before, uh, but we put new strobes up in, in Rupp, uh, lights, okay. uh, which are no more, but, um, I, I love shooting on strobes. Uh, we started doing that. We used them for vol- I was shooting strobes, shooting volleyball on strobes, um, shooting as many things I could on strobes because it's like how it looked and it mm-hmm. helped. I mean, it helped me improve my timing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, shooting on strobes for every game, women's basketball, men's basketball, volleyball. Right. Um, Did yeah, they have a stuff. budget for you for gear? Cause all of a sudden you come in from a freelancer shooting weddings. So all of a sudden they're like, do you have a 400 and a 600? No. Uh, <laughs> I, when I started out, I had to provide all my own gear. I was, uh, um, I wasn't getting the benefits or anything. I was just uh, a contract contract photographer. Yes. Okay. Uh, I had to provide all my own gear. I bought an old 400, Two eight off KEH. Oh. I think for like five thousand dollars. I still have it, and our interns use it, and it weighs like eighty pounds. Yeah, so I had to provide all my own gear uh, and lighting equipment and all that stuff. It's changed now. I mean, I, I don't have to anymore. Right. Uh, but back in the day, yeah. Because that's a huge, like, all of a sudden expectation of a freelancer to have the images they want. They don't understand. That's a ten thousand dollar lens. That's an eight thousand dollar lens. That's $12,000 in lighting gear. Yes. Uh, we're going through that process now. Uh, and it's, it's hard for people to grasp that, yeah. you know, f- to do all this, it's takes some investment, mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of investment, a lot of investment. Yes. How were you? Because it, like you said, it's changed and it's probably changed three times in your 12 years. That first year or so of like archiving, what did you guys do? Because you're, if you're dealing with other freelancers, what they do, their cameras, settings, you're trying to get everybody like, guys, on board. Do not try to fudge the white balance or JPEG small. Like, this is our protocol. Yes, and using hard drives, external hard drives. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then those have since, we've moved on to Photo Shelter at, right. at some point, and now all those things have been, you know, copied over, but... Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure there was even much thought to the archiving process. Then it was just make sure we save them on a hard drive and we have everything and then move on to the next event. Did you even come up with like a filing naming system or like AP yeah. captioning or was it just like, yeah, and dump and go. it's very, well, no, we always had a, a generic caption. Okay. Uh, and it was for the, every picture. It wasn't each picture had its own unique caption. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Captions and a naming system that we still use. Um, and now with photo shelter, it doesn't really matter what you name it. As long as, you know, when you're tagging images, you can go find what you want. Right. Um, yeah, we had a naming system, generic captions, uh, and then saving on hard drives. That's how many hard drives do you think you went through? Uh, a bunch. Uh, I've got a couple <laughs> cases in my closet full and there's some in UK as well. Oh yeah. I, I don't mean, miss those days. It must've just been terabytes of just information. Yeah. Cause you, you, was it, I mean, they wanted every home game covered back then. Yeah. 
Yeah, we had a team of like five photographers. You must have been feeding so many people. They must have been absolutely happy all of a sudden. They're getting work. You're completely, you know, just swamped with stuff. And we were paying them for each individual event. Yeah. Like, what to what I wanted to be a fair price, just because I'd lived in that world before and, you know, and, and understood the work behind it and how long it takes. And uh, I still, to this day, try to pay freelancers uh, a fair rate, regardless of what they're shooting. Yeah. Isn't that and nice? That's helped me. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're the king of the castle and you can help out everybody instead of like so, you know, apologize that this is the crappy rate. I'm sorry. 35 bucks. Yeah, No, I, I try to help out as much as I can. Um, we'll never underpay anybody if I can help it. Right. Um, and now, you know, we're using students and we, I mean, we've, we're not paying those freelancers all the time just to shift for home events. We'll use freelancers on the road. Uh, but now our students are picking up all that slack and they're learning and, um, loving the work. Right. Yeah. So. When did you start to feel comfortable in that position? Did it take a couple of years to kind of be like, did. Ooh, this is it, a lot of, I mean, you probably shot more in that first 12 months than you had in five years. Yeah. And I had a new baby. Uh, there was a lot of changes going on. Um, it took me a while to get used to it. Cause I, I wasn't used to that big stage, you know, and then with basketball being thrown into that limelight, you know, they were having so much success. Yeah. It, I'd say it took a while and for lighting as well to get used to lighting and being comfortable lighting portraits and using multiple lights on large groups of people. And I still learn something every day and every time I shoot, but it, it took a while for me to get comfortable. And I think a lot of that is, is meeting other photographers um, like right now, like one of my favorite parts of my job is, is going to another SEC event and seeing so many other photographers that you get to see three or four times a year. It's probably one of my favorite parts of my job. That's yeah, that's awesome. And learning from them and, you know, and then helping them out and vice versa. Yeah. Like, Hey, do you know this about, you know, photo, you know, photo shelter, or I learned this thing on photo mechanic or, well, Oh, you got Sony. Let me give it a shot and try it during a cup of coffee beforehand. Like that. Yeah. That brotherhood between photographers when you travel is really nice. It is. Uh, and I, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for, I don't know how many other photographers who I picked their brains and who offered. And like we were just talking about, you know, earlier. So I, I, I know a lot of the newspaper guys, um, I'm really close to them. And when they travel on the road, I'm always helping them out with, you know, when the bus, or when the team's going to arrive, you know, I, I give them any information that I can give them to help them out. Cause I know it's going to come back to me at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, just send them a text bus is arriving around 1215. Yeah. And they'll yeah. be out in and that then, loading dock and they'll try to make a picture. Yeah. White balance, uh, you know, anything. How, how much, you know, I, I I've always schools that I've been to are, are worked for are like low mid majors. I've never had like a major powerhouse like you're working with how much traveling does the local newspapers do with like Kentucky basketball? A lot more in the past than they're doing now. Uh, our main paper here in town is the Herald leader, the Lexington Herald leader. Mm -hmm. They travel to pretty much every basketball and, and football game. Um, so they're always there. Uh, but they used to take, you know, sometimes two photographers to games. Uh, now it's just, there's only a staff of two or three. Um, that's a yeah, that's, that's one. I mean, that's, that's their thing is UK sports, UK basketball, especially uh, in Lexington. That's, you know, that's what they're going to throw money at and, you know, and, and try to give their readers. How big is it? Like when, uh, you know, we have UCLA here in SC, especially UCLA. 
they just get lost in the noise between the Dodgers, the Lakers, the Kings, you know, everything else, the mountains, the beaches. So as big as they can be here, it's not in the same realm as a UK basketball. Like how big is it when you're walking around wearing blue? Like how, how did you feel that power those first couple of years of wearing that, that gear? Uh, it, it's wild. Uh, you know, you, you can, you can be wearing a Kentucky shirt and you're in a whole other state or whatever. And, Somebody else will walk past you and they'll just say, go big blue, you know, and you have no idea who they are. They'll just walk past you. And like, sometimes you're walking, you're like, I wonder if they're going to say anything because like they're wearing Kentucky shirts and you're wearing a Kentucky shirt. And you'll be like, look, see if they say anything. And like, you'll walk past and they'll go, go big blue and just keep on walking. Uh, it's wild. And another thing is, is the, the media following um, for Kentucky is, is nothing like I've ever seen before when we go. So we always have a, on our seating chart at RUP, it's always, uh, um, spots are saved. You know, there's a seating chart. You're sitting here. Everybody has their spot. And there's sometimes about 30 people on the floor. Uh, there's two rows on both sides of the goal on one end. There's two rows. And then there's one row by the bench on the opposite end. Uh, so then that's what I walked into. And then when we travel at first, nobody ever made seating charts on the road. It was just first come first serve, but so many Kentucky people would show up to cover games on the road, uh, whether it's blogs or some newspapers, they weren't used to it. So they started assigning seats. Um, everywhere we go for an away game, there's other photographers there. Then there, these other schools just weren't used to it. It's wild. <laughs> yes. They're like, oh, Kentucky's coming to town. And so are, you know, 15 other photographers. I mean, cause in my research, I was, I was watching some basketball games trying to get like, trying to find you and see stuff. Like you've got, eight, nine, 10 TV guys on the court. So, I mean, like, yeah. I don't have to deal with that. Like you've got um, all media there between college kids, bloggers, actual journalists, maybe, an, you know, SIs in town to cover something, whatever Yeah, you local media TV, like it's an absolute shit show it, of media. <laughs> it's like a, there, there is no room for error. I mean, it's, it's yeah. And you'll get people who like, slide in and I'm I'll look down there like I'll see somebody sitting there like who's not supposed to be there like what are you doing like I don't want to deal with this right now I'm trying to shoot a basketball game but like then we're all I mean we're sitting here scrunched up like yeah I mean we take that stuff kind of serious it's because people you know you deserve to have the space to work mm -hmm. but yeah everybody wants wants a seat um and I, it's great for me because I get to work with other people but at the same time like it's crowded like you've got an assigned seat you kind of have to stay there, you know, and, and we work things out. If people want to switch, I'm totally cool with that. Uh, Cause everybody wants to shoot offense when they can, but it's just not possible for both halves. But the, the following is huge and it's everywhere we go. Man, that's like we awesome. had a documentary crew with us this year. So we had me and then our sports video, two sports videographers traveling for the most part, and then two documentary guys. So, and they're everywhere. So you get used to it after a while and you learn how to work around it. It's oh, different world, man. Full you, speed. You live in a different <laughs> world. Oh, that's awesome. I enjoy my downtime. When when did you start to see the job evolve? Something oh. similar to where you're at now. Social media. Uh, being, wanting, wanting to be the first to get stuff out. Um, so we now kind of 11, a 12, Instagram, Facebook, those kind of things are starting to become prevalent. I, yes, Uh but yeah, and especially the year that we went, I think we were 30, 
four and oh, or we lost, we were undefeated up until the final four. Right. And lost. Um, it, that was a huge thing as far as getting stuff out quick. Um, and sending images during games to our, uh, to our writers, our social media people, I would say somewhere around 12, 13, 14. Uh, and it's just continues to grow. Um, I mean, I'm not really shooting stuff during timeouts. I'm sending images. Are you tethered? Uh, what's your, what's your game process? Walk me right through now. That. We're, right now we're just using cords. Okay. It's not ideal. Uh, we just use the cords to go from camera to the phone and then okay. uploading to one drive. Um, hopefully next year we're going to get into just going directly FTP to photo shelter. Um, that's where our hope is. Hopefully we'll get some new R series cameras and we'll just do that. And then, so yeah, we're uploading images to a live gallery uh, during the game and then they're pushing them out on social media. And then after the game, we're spending time and creating galleries, toning images, tagging them and then uploading a, a, a nice gallery at the end. Right. Is, does the building have the infrastructure close enough to you to run ethernet to you? Is that something possible? We probably could, but it's so crowded down there. Like just anything that I can get away and be cord free. Right. Is what we're kind of looking for. Um, we could run inter- ethernet, I think. With the amount of information, like it's transformed, right? When you first started out, it was very small. Now it's social media and you're just like pounding it out. How do you keep up with what you're sending to social media? Where are you saying, okay, I like this image, but maybe the audience my art, you know, the fans might like a different one. How are you that gatekeeper to, to make that decision? In the moment, I don't really have that much time. If there's, you know, and sometimes they'll, I'll get notific- a message saying, Hey, can you send me something of Oscar Shibway or this player, you know? Um, but other than that, I'm basically going for my best images, most storytelling images during a game and just sending those out and trying to keep them from having to ask me for, for specifics. Okay. I'm trying to cover, you know, coach, uh, reactions, action. Um, I'm just, and I think that's where photojournalism, studying photojournalism comes into play, knowing what people want to see and and knowing how to tell a story, even in a game. Um, I've always tried to retain my photojournalism, use that while covering a game, trying to tell a story. And I try to send a collection of images that will tell that story. Yes, I think I think that's a great background for you to have is that journalism, you know, underneath your chest where you can be like, I could tell a story instead of just being like straight action, dunks, dunks, dunks. You're like, I got storytelling ability. Let me show you. Yeah. Yeah. And details, you know, shoes, shoes are a big thing. Um, They want pictures of those. Uh, Anything that I can think of that's going to enhance somebody to look at, I'm going to send and I oversend sometimes. Because that way they don't have to come and ask me for things. They have a lot of things to choose from. Sure. When did your position change to where you're at now as like the director? Uh, I've always kind of, I mean, I was, I was hired on as the chief photographer. You know, I, I was the only person. Um, <laughs> the chief of I, one. <laughs> yeah. And then like, you know, gathering a group of photographers. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just evolved every year as it changes. And then once we started the internship program, uh, that has led me to do more managing than anything, managing and scheduling and making sure that everything gets uh, covered. Um, So I'm doing, you know, it's probably half and half as far as manage managerial stuff and photography right now. 
do you give yourself the time, I guess, to manage the other interns and kind of help them out and give them critiques on, hey, if you did this, you could be a little better at that? I do, but I don't think enough. I think I, that's one thing that I want to improve with our uh, internship program. And, you know, we had COVID for the past two years, which halted a lot of things. Um, right as far as meeting in person and doing that kind of stuff. So I, that's something I would like to get better at with my job is, is to spend more time with the students and then have photo gatherings. Uh, we do do some critiques on occasion. Uh, and then individually, like two days ago, uh, we have one of our interns who she loves shooting baseball. So we've made her the baseball photographer this year. Uh, she wants to be on every baseball game uh, for the season and she's there every single one. And I'm helping her, you know, we're trying to work on her toning and her cropping because she wants to shoot baseball for a living. And then, you know, if I look at her galleries or something she posts and I'll do a screenshot, I'll crop it, like look at it this way. So I think I can give some, some value in that uh, hopefully. And they appreciate that. And I'm really big on, you know, I came from school where, and before me, I think it was like if a teacher didn't like a photo that you printed out and brought to class, they would tear it up in front of you. You know, that, I had that guy. That kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not, that's not the kind of criticism I like. And I've, I, I try to do that, you know, on a individual basis by basis, you know, cause I don't respond that well to well to that criticism. Um, and a lot of our interns don't either. So I try to kind of go by an individual basis on how I work with them. Um, I don't want to scare them. I want them to, you know, learn and, and continue. They don't need to be scared as college students taking being a photo intern. Yeah, I mean, geez, I don't think they're only shooting women's <laughs> basketball. They don't need to be yeah. beaten. <laughs> no, and I want them to keep pursuing that, and I want them to, you know, have a, a positive uh, outlook on the sports photography yeah. world. Yeah, I mean, they're storytellers. I mean, it's a wonderful mm-hmm. position for them to be in. Is like they have someone like you who's who's been through those little battles. Now, who's like the big chief who has the ability to like put them in like for that young lady where she, she wants to do baseball and you're like, okay, you're the baseball gal. You're all in hun. Go out and bust your ass and make the best pitchers for the university. And I'll give you a little guidance, little bumpers here and there and help you out. And between her first game and her last game, you just want her to be like exponentially better. That's all. And that's, you can tell in her, in her posts. And when I look at the galleries that that's, she does, she's getting better, uh, and one thing that we're working on now is to, you know, you can always get the guy thrown, you can always get the shortstop thrown to first base, but can you get him fielding the ball or diving? Like that's where, mm-hmm. that's where we're trying to get at now. And, and she has in the past couple of weeks been working on that and improved that. And that's hard. It's the hardest thing to do is to follow a baseball off a metal bat, <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, and to an infielder is to, to be able to, to catch that and to, to anticipate and react. Right. It's one thing that somebody taught me and it's what I passed down to them is if you're not ready, like you've missed it. If you're not shooting, anticipating it and shooting, like it's gone. It's done. Yeah. Good luck. It's not going to happen. Try the next play. When did you get into the position where you're like, okay, I'm only covering men's basketball. I'm sure you dabble in it and you help out a little here and there, but where men's basketball is just, you know, tattooed to your forehead. Probably when I came off of football, I mean, yesterday I shot women's tennis. That must have been nice, right? Just something different. Yeah, yes, and I was outside. It was sunny. Uh, It was great. Um, So I'm I'm shooting everything still, but just not as much. Uh, I would say, because I was on basketball and football. Okay. I was also the track person, so I traveled with track. Um, Travel with track? 
Uh, postseason. Like right, I'll go okay. to the SEC championships, uh, nationals, regionals. Um, yeah, I'm. that's my favorite thing to shoot. I would say once I got rid of football and then we got a football photographer and we started getting the intern program in place where they could cover everything, I could focus more on basketball and track while making sure everything else was done while still getting all the photo shoots done and all the managing. Uh, and now we're doing recruit shoots almost once a day, uh, every day of the week. Jeez. Um, tell me about that. What does that entail? It's we're using three or four lights set up. So football. So the whole recruiting thing is, you know, recruits can come in, we can do photo shoots with them and they get all the images. Um, football has their own internal guy uh, who does all that. And then uh, we had a GA with basketball who was doing basketball. Well, he left for another job. And so that came down to me and, you know, everybody else. Well, now it's every sport. We're doing women's tennis, soccer, volleyball, <laughs> baseball, softball. That's, that's, that's where I'm saying the imagery and how things have changed with images. Like, and people are getting, they're getting responses from recruits that like we're coming here because you all showed that much interest and took that time to do a photo shoot. You know, the parents are there, the kids are there and they love it. And you know, I'm, I'm shooting for 30 minutes, four lights, then coming home and processing them and giving them 35 images. Whoa. And that's, that is where our job is going so much so that they're talking about hiring a, a specific recruit photographer to cover all of recruiting. Jesus. Chad. Uh, yeah. Where do I send my resume? That is too. Uh, Chet White. <laughs> Come on. Oh uh, my God. That's, that's amazing. How the, how the job has evolved for you in 12 years. If someone would have said to you, Chet, do you have any idea where this is going to be in 12 years? Do you think that would have been something on your radar? Never would have crossed my mind. No. And it's good. I mean, it's, it's keeping it's, us going. Yeah. It's a, but the best part is it's a job for somebody, hopefully at some point. Yes. I, I'm hoping one of our interns can move into that when they graduate. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah it's a great opportunity. Um, we, and we were going to these individual areas on campus and shooting recruits. So taking a backdrop, taking lights, I've stopped that. We've set up in a, in a separate room and I've told people like, this is where we're doing it. Uh, it's just, and cause we do all of our photo shoots on site too. Like we're loading up our Subarus with, you know, 12 lights, backgrounds, uh, and going on site, unloading, setting up, shooting, breaking down, reloading our cars, driving back to campus, unloading and doing the same thing. Like August and September for me are like the busiest times I have. Cause it's photo shoot one after another at somewhere different on campus. You need to get a like one of those Mercedes Benz Sprinter vans, like a sponsorship deal, all decked out with the University of Kentucky photo department that, that on that fabulous. side. Yeah, wrap that baby up and. I mean, I've gotten, we've gotten so good at on location lighting. Uh, it's it's kind of silly, but that's the way we do it. It's what are you crazy. guys using? We actually use Digibees. Okay, like we're using Posse Buff stuff, mm -hmm. all Posse Buff. Uh, we're hoping to go up next semester or next year to uh, their bigger lights. Okay. I mean, we're doing it and those are not really made for, for that either. No. Yeah. You're probably pushing its limits. We, yeah, we are. I've blown some bulbs <laughs> in the past couple of shoots. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, you're banging and, on them. You're shooting a yes, lot. Yes. Um, and that's where, you know, trying to get creative with shoots too. Cause we do so many and 
you want every, we do the standard white backdrop, you know, turn this way, turn that way. But then we're also trying to give them something unique that's, you know, unique to them and their team. And it's different from other sports. Are you doing some kind of research for that kind of like thought process to like expand the, the portrait where you're kind of looking at certain other universities or professional or creative agencies? Yes. I'm always looking, I'm always saving. Um, like we did a huge track and field shoot not too long ago. Um, we did it indoors in our field house and I saw something, somebody posted, it was a, a portrait of a track athlete reflected somewhere with some black plexiglass or whatever. And I was like, that would look amazing in our field house. Cause our field house has these strips of lights that just run down the whole thing. Yes. And you take that to black and you just have those, that visual effect of those lights. And then we went and bought two pieces of black plexiglass, uh, put it down. And then I laid on my stomach for probably three hours and photographed <laughs> like 30 athletes and they loved it. Uh, and then I had my coworker Elliot over here with a big umbrella and a, uh, some V flats, just shooting beautiful tight portraits. So we had that combination of tight and wide visual portraits and they've used them all year. How um, big of that plexiglass did you get? How big was it? I think it was, it was super thin. I'd go thicker next time, but they were probably four by eight sheets, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll continue to use the hell out of those. Yeah. I loved it. It's a great little gimmick. Yes. Uh, and the, the students loved it. And that's, you know, aside from the relationships I form in my job, like the student athletes are my favorite, like they're so appreciative of what they get. Uh, it's yeah, that's a good segue. What is your relationships like? Because you're dealing with department people, coaches, athletes, recruits, players come and go now with the portal, like never before. Right. So how are you as a, how are you building your relationships? just being there for them. That they, that's what they really want. They want somebody, and not so much basketball or football. I mean, cause they, they've, they've had it their whole lives growing up, right? Sure. Those kids, they're that talented and that good. Uh, they're in the limelight. Uh, but when you go to track or, you know, softball, our softball coach is one of my favorite people. Um, they, they are just, they accept you. They bring you in. Um, they treat you like one of their own, even though you've not been with them all year, you know, but they see how much their athletes appreciate what you know team photographers can give to them i have great relationships with our coaches um you know there's some sometimes when we've had a coach who tells the sid that he's not going to get a headshot he's going to use the one from 10 years ago and i'll go into the and it's black and white and i'll go into his office i'm like look come on can you please do this and he comes out there and gets a headshot yeah uh so i try to maintain the best relationships i have possible with the coaches and there's no reason not to have a good relationship with them you know, we're all helping each other. Right. Like, I mean, and you've got like, you know, with, with coach free men's basketball, Calipari, that's like a top level kind of alpha male. Right. So you're dealing with that kind of person. How's that relationship? Right. Cause it's not something like the women's softball coach. She's probably very happy. You're showing up, you're shooting a game. You guys are playing Florida, whoever. Oh my God, Mr. White. Thank you for coming out today. And, you know, you're dealing with John. That's a whole different thing. Completely, like completely. Um, I'm a fly on the wall with men's basketball. I'm a fly on the wall. I don't I interact with the assistant coaches and, you know, some of the players and the staff and stuff. But as far as Cal goes, I'm, I'm a complete fly on the wall uh, with him. Um, I just do my job and try to stay out of trouble and, and not make somebody trip and get hurt before a game. <laughs> right, right. I mean, because sometimes that's it. Like your assistant coaches 
are the people you're going to deal with the most. Sure. Yeah. They're great, you know, and, and, and they love it too. Uh, if their players are happy, the kids are happy, then they're happy. Walk me through a day in a life of a home game for you for men's basketball. Men's so people, basketball. so people can understand, like, it wouldn't it be nice to show up 10 minutes before game time. <laughs> right. Just be like, and then leave 10 minutes afterwards. Yeah. It, <laughs> but, it, but that's not fantastic. our lives. Correct. So what is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is showing up, uh, at a game three hours early showing up through up arena. We don't, our arena's not on campus, so it's, it's downtown. Yeah. Um, so I'm taking everything every time I'm taking everything new again, showing up three hours early, getting my laptop, all that stuff settled and then going to the court. Uh, sometimes we have to run wires for our lights because the floor comes up since it's not owned by, you know, it's a partnership with Rep Arena. They have other stuff going on. Sometimes I have to run cords for our strobes, um, run those, get four cameras ready, pocket wizards, all my cords, uh, get that done, try to grab something to eat. And then I'm up talking to the other photographers and answering questions and make sure Nobody's on the same pocket wizard channel list, answering questions from visiting photographers. And sometimes we have to shoot arrivals. Uh, players are wanting arrival photos now. So we do that, you know, once every four home games. And then I have to push those out before the game starts so the players can have them so they can push them out if they want them. It's, it's nonstop. And then I'm shooting a game in front of 24,000 people, making sure everybody's in their right positions, shooting introductions, running around looking like a chicken with its head cut off for the most part um, <laughs> is what it feels like. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's nonstop for about, you know, games, two hours and they're three hours nonstop for about seven hours. Uh, my brain hurts typically after a game. <laughs> are, are you a big remote guy? Do you do a lot of remotes, glass, do, overhead, post, whatever? We do a lot of floor stuff. They've changed our stanchions uh, that the goals attached to. It makes it really difficult. Do you have, the, old, do you have the new Spaldings? I think so. Yeah. And we're trying to, we're trying to get the uh, cutout in the bottom pad. We don't have that yet, which would be an amazing shot yes. when you're looking at the banners in the background. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get that done. Uh, we don't do a whole lot of stuff up top because so Rupp Arena is uh, union. They're all union. So they, every time we have to go up there, somebody has to go up there with us and, and stay. And we just kind of don't do that as much. Uh, okay. I'd like to. So mostly floor remotes in different angles. Um, I'm usually running four camera, two in hand and two remotes. What remotes do you uh, like to go do the most? Something on the floor? Do you do a rail? Like, do you do glass? I like, the, I like the inside floor. And then depending where I'm at, I like that outside look where you can look back, especially when the, the light falls to black. Mm-hmm. At Vanderbilt, it's a perfect example. It's amazing because I sit out on the very corner and you got that shooting back into the lane and it's just, it gives you some great photos and the, the background falls to black. Yeah, well, Vanderbilt, um, I remember the first time I went there, I was like, what the hell did they do to this place? Stanchions are all different. You sit on the sidelines, or no, you sit on the baselines, the, the teams does. It's, it's an old theater house, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, it's great. And they, they have put in better lights now. Yeah. They have LED lights. But I love shooting there. But yeah, and I don't get too fancy with it, especially on the road, because I'm on a bus to the airport as soon as the game's over. Right, so walk, walk. So let's say you guys are in state. You're going to play Louisville down down the road. What's yeah. your day like for for a road game? For a road game, uh, Louisville would be the same. We'd go the night before. Um, Fly charter, correct? Yeah, but not to Louisville. That's one place we do bus. Okay, well let's say you're going to <laughs> let's say you're going to Florida. 
Yeah, we fly charter. So we'll leave out that night. Uh, they'll have practice and we'll leave out about five o'clock the night before a game. Okay. Are you, working, part, are you working imagery on that bus ride and that flight? And everything? Yeah. I'm, we're always shooting them as they come and get on the plane and I'm trying to get stuff out before we take off. Uh, and then we get there and the team will usually go straight to the arena and practice. And sometimes we'll go with them. Sometimes we won't. But then the next morning it's, it's an early morning shoot around. So I'm up and we're at shoot around and then we, put out a gallery from that and then back to the hotel for an hour or two. And then I'm usually over, we take an early bus and get over there about three hours before the game and getting ready and then getting them their arrival and then pushing out those pictures and just kind of the same process. And then after a game, I go straight to my laptop, dump my photos and I'm packing up, grab some food, get on the bus and start working. And we're off to the airport. Yeah. Um, Glory. Isn't it just a glorious job? I'm, I work a lot on buses and planes. Um, <laughs> they didn't tell you that at Western Kentucky, did they? <laughs> no, no, but we, we travel well. In men's basketball, I'm, I'm really lucky. Uh, uh, they travel well. Uh, I'm a little spoiled in that regard, but uh, it's, it's really fast. It's fast paced. I mean, it's like you said, I don't, I don't stop. Your brain doesn't turn off for a long time. I'll get home sometimes at two in the morning and I'm up till four because I can't go to bed. Right. You're all hyped up. Yeah. Yeah, you've, you've been running so, a million miles an hour. It's hard to all of a sudden just like fall to bed and sleep. And then trying to stay creative. And, and because when I said my brain hurts sometimes after that, I wasn't lying. Like it, it takes a lot out of you emotionally. Is that your biggest challenge? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that your biggest challenge? Because you're shooting every basketball game is to come up with something different. So Alan and Betsy and somewhere Kentucky are looking at your gallery and they're like, he shot the same thing the other day. Yes. Yeah. I, I struggle with and deal with that a lot. I'm always trying to do something different and, and that's not necessarily doing something different. I think it's seeing different uh, and showing things that people might not see. Uh, I'm always thinking and, and my head is just constantly spinning. And even when I'm at tennis and sometimes it's hard to do, but like, I feel like anybody can point a camera at somebody and get a dunk picture or, you know, just a typical action photo. And that's what I try to teach our students is show me or show us something, a picture, but show it in a different light in a different way. Everybody can look straight ahead and see this is happening. We'll try to show that same thing happening, but from a different viewpoint, um, whether it's a moment or just composition, um, it's just always keeping your eyes open for when something happens. Right. I mean, it is a challenge because we're shooting the same thing over and over and over in the same buildings. I, have you, and we could talk about this with gear. Like, is it something where are you a 24 to 70, 7,200, 400 guy for basketball or what's your setup? I'm uh 7,200 and either a 300 or 400, depending on where we're at. Uh, and I do like the, the, 24 to 70. Uh, is it? Yeah. The 24 to 70. Uh, I'm a big fan of that for sitting underneath the basket. Okay. Um, but yeah, mostly 7,200 and 300 or 400. Do you ever think about like, okay, I could change my look if I shot with some primes, like a 135, one three or, or one four, one eight or a 51 four. So now you're like blowing out backgrounds and you're trying different things. Creativity yeah, wise. I, I do. But then I, sometimes I feel like I'm going to miss, the images that you have to get. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, because uh, that's I, kind of what's, what's wrong is we become like AP where you've got to make certain photos. Yeah. Uh, but trying to mix that up with other things and have a nice balance, I would say. 
Yeah, because you want to be creative, right? That's what we got in for. But then we kind yeah. of like we're making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, it seems like, all day long. Because anybody can do that. I mean, right. you know, you got to bring something different to the table. Uh, and one thing we started doing the past couple of years at Rupp, we had some lights go out. Uh, so instead of replacing them, so we have eight lights up there. Um, I'm on a set and then coworkers on a set down court. Well, turning two of the lights off down court and then just using two of those lights up front and making that background just fall to black. Right. Uh, Brian Babs at Boston does that quite a bit mm-hmm. and it's, it's beautiful. Uh, we started doing that this year. Yeah. And it, it looks great. Yeah. We did that at uh, Irvine. I had Garrett Elwood on who's with the Denver Nuggets and he kind of took it from Greg Nelson doing it with Sports Illustrated, but just making shafts of light and just one light and snooting that thing like with an eight-foot <sighs> fuller paper. And, and now I'm just lighting the key. That's awesome. And it, yeah. was, and it was just gives me something else to play with. And it's just one light because, like you said, we're just doing the same thing over and over again. It's, yeah. it's easy if, I guess, if we were – out-of-town paper guys or in-town paper guys, and we only cover three or four games a year. That's very exciting. But you covered how many basketball games this year? 35, 36? I'm not sure what their final record was. Whatever it was, right? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's a lot of the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But you're you're running and gunning so much. Like, like it rub every time there's – when there's a timeout, if I'm not sending images, I'm going to midcourt to shoot somebody getting recognized right. and running back to my seat getting to my spot before the game starts. Like it's, it's running and gunning and like sometimes just doing what I have to do to make some decent images is, is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and saving the creativity for a coworker or somebody else. Uh, but yeah, we stay busy. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's a big it challenge. Is. How's your archive now? You on photo shelter? Photo shelter. Yep. How much has that changed your life? tremendously and we have somebody who's going in and they tag loose edits um and then we tag you know after every game uh it's yeah if you want an image go type in their name and you'll find it are you doing the archiving or do you have someone who does all the archiving? we have we've got somebody doing our archiving i mean we're uploading to it every time we shoot ourselves and it's it's laid out to where you can find anything by year by game um but then also from tagging you can go find anything you want as well uh, but we do have uh, a young photographer who's doing a lot of our archiving from the past as well. That's a great job to have because there's a lot yes. of people that need archivists. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so that guy can end up working at a presidential library at some point. Like, you don't understand how important archiving is today. If I have a question about photo shelter, I go to him. <laughs> right. And, and that goes back to, you know, young Chet at Western Kentucky. Like nobody probably said, you know, there could be a career for you as a, archivist you're still in photography but you're an archivist sure yeah like what what do you mean i don't want to work in a library no (laughs) there's a lot to be done there is it's a lot of images yeah what now that your basketball's over and you kind of like are trying to catch your breath what do you do through the rest of the year to kind of get your batteries back and refreshed and make your brain feel normal uh, ever since, you know, we lost in the first round, like it, it was a struggle for the first few weeks, uh, first couple of weeks. Um, we were home, we played Thursday and we were home Friday. I didn't know what to do that weekend, uh, at all. Um, slowly getting back into softball, 
tennis, baseball, shooting all the spring sports. Um, and we're gearing up for a big track, another big track shoot uh, with some of our top athletes. And then I'll start traveling with them in May. Um, I think it's just slowly getting back to shooting other sports and getting used to that. Um, and then the whole creative process of trying to figure out what to do and how to photograph some of the fastest athletes, not only in the country, but in the world in the next couple of weeks before they go off to SEC's and nationals. Um, we've got one girl who's amazing. Uh, and we're going to feature her trying to come up with ideas, unique ideas that we haven't done with our track athletes for a photo shoot. Um, that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. So my mind's just kind of churning and looking at things and seeing what we can do. Right. Uh, I have an idea, but we'll see. With you, with the team going out in the first round, with the expectations of what you're supposed to have, like how does that, how does that work for you? Were you just completely stunned and you're trying to tell a story and it's falling apart in front of you? Like were you tr- like you know, and you're trying to be like this historian for the athletic department. So are you showing this crumble? Yeah, yeah, I am to an extent. Um, I am showing, you know, their reaction. I didn't go into the locker room. I don't do that uh, unless they win like a big game or something. But definitely after a loss, I'm not, I'm not going in there and showing that. I'll show them on the court. Um, and I feel like when I first started the job at UK and I was trying to be a good storyteller, that some people had issues with that. Um, nobody wanted to see their team sad, uh, or losing, but I think there's a respectful way that you can show that and show, I mean, and show that these kids truly care about what they're doing. I mean, it's, it's real life. You can't hide that people watched it on TV. Um, so I'm still showing them on the court and trying to tell a story. Uh, but I'm not getting up in their faces and trying to, you know, show, them just bawling their eyes out in the locker room. Um, that's not part of my job, although I am showing what's happening on the court, if right. that makes sense. Yeah, no, there's a balance. Like, we are yes. this, we are historians. Like, we're White House photographers for the athletic department. And there's a lot of photos I've taken that don't see the light of day, but I've taken them. Yes. And they'll sit in an archive on photo shelter, and it's just historical photos. But you try to have yes. this balance of like, I'll show just enough without being disrespectful. Yes. And that, that's exactly how I go into it and how I look at it. Um, and I'd still shoot things for myself, but, you know, showing our players. Yes. Being, having a balance and being respectful. Right. Telling the story. Cause we don't always go home with the winners, right? Like, majority no, of your season hardly ever right right it's, it's very rare like how many national championships have you had in your 12 years one right one and then, yeah so that means you've you've yeah. shot a lot of games where it's, it's ended not in, easy yeah it's ended in loss right it's just that's the way it is so you're trying to make pictures where that loss shows and represents the pain but you're trying not to be disrespectful in it but there's that balance. Have you gotten better at that? Yeah, yeah, because I, I never looked at this job as a, uh, a PR job, and that's kind of what it is. It's, I'm a PR photographer for UK Athletics, and I fought and fought and fought myself going over from photojournalism to PR photography. I still don't take – I still don't 
change pictures or manipulate images, you know, like what I could do as a PR photographer, I, it's not in me to do that. Um, it took me for a, it took me a long time to understand that my job was almost a PR photographer position. And I fought it for a long time. And I didn't want to become that kind of photographer. Uh, but I have created some kind of balance between the two of those, uh, in my, in my job. Right. You have to, you have to, what's the best photo you've taken in 12 years? Oh my gosh. (laughs) My favorite photo or the best photo? Your, your favorite photo. The one, like if someone says, Hmm. Chet, make me a print of your favorite photo. Because making a print for somebody is a big deal. We're not talking about just sending them a, an email, but making a print so they can hang it on the wall. What's your favorite photo? One of my favorite photos, and it's probably not my best, but it's one of my favorites. And I was walking up to our old baseball stadium to cover a baseball game. And as you go up towards the press box, on the back side of it, it overlooks our track. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went up there and the sun was setting and it was coming from the left. And I was looking down at the track and there were two guys working out and they were coming out of the blocks and their shadows were just straight in front of them in the lanes on the track. And as soon as they popped out of the blocks, like the shadows were there, everything worked. I didn't go to shoot track. I was just walking to the baseball press box and it was right there. And I think that might be one of the more proud photos I've made just because you, there's always something else happening when you're somewhere. Like I went to go shoot a baseball game and this is like one of my main photos in my portfolio. It's on the front. Uh, I love it. Um, but I, I would say the Anthony Davis portrait that I shot in 2012 is one of my favorites. That black that, and white I mean, people with the ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it was, they wanted to replicate the Jordan picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just, it went and he happened to get national player of the year. And then we went, they won it all. And then when I went to new Orleans, it was on a billboard, uh, which I'd never ever gotten close to seeing anything like that, you know, in my life. Uh, what did that feel just, like to, to uh, see was, your work on a billboard? It was really cool. Uh, it was, it was really neat. Uh, and I have, you know, a lot of people where I came from growing up who follow me and they love UK basketball and they support me and they love seeing the photos and, you know, they all loved it. Uh, and me and my wife, Katie just went out, uh, this past weekend, went to like some little night market at a place. And, uh, we went into this little shop and they were, it was a vintage store and, uh, looked up and there was the Anthony Davis poster framed. And I was like, just talking to him and tell him I shot it or anything. Well, she did eventually, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, life. I was like, how much, how much for that, uh, Anthony Davis? He's like, what's well, not for sale. He's like, everything at the top's not for sale. I was like, yeah, but if you're going to sell it, how much? And he told me, uh, and it's just, it's everywhere in Kentucky. Uh, and it's probably the most proud I am of a photo. I would say yeah, just I because mean, of the work that went behind it and, you know, and the teamwork and the talk and, and it just came out really well. I mean, think about, if you don't pick up that camera in Yellowstone, you don't make that picture. No, I don't know what the hell I'd be doing. <laughs> I have no idea. But I, now that I did, I think this is the only thing that I'll ever do. Right. Uh, I don't know what else. I don't, 
know how to do anything else really. <laughs> well, what's the future hold for Mr. White? Where do you want to be in five years? <laughs> Depends on if the Brooklyn Nets called or the New York Knicks called. Uh, I'd love to be an NBA photographer. Would you? That's what I dream as a photographer to be an NBA photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, you think you can live in New long. York? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was looking at my wife, but she would definitely <laughs> live in New York. She would love to live in New York. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I could, yeah. If I'm doing that job, I, I think so. Or Golden State. Uh, you know some people out there, don't yeah, you? Yeah. 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 I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. It's Nolan. No, Nolan. Uh, no, Noah has that job out there. Yeah. Noah Graham. Uh, I love, I, I think being an NBA photographer would be really cool. Um, but I also like shooting portraits for people around town. Uh, and I'm not going anywhere with this job right now uh, unless something came up. But I also love shooting track. I'd like to go – I'd love to shoot the Olympics. Um, I'd say track and field is probably my favorite thing to photograph. Well, we've got it out here in 28. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, that might be a little bit easier getting to than where it's been in the past. Yeah. I, I got a room. You want to crash here and shoot some Kentucky yeah. athlete. <laughs> that would be amazing. We had two gold medalists last year. Oh, in a silver. We had two gold medalists and a silver medalist in two races. Whoa. Yeah. See, now there's an excuse. You got to cover I, it in 28. I've tried and I tried and I tried. Uh, <laughs> my, my nephew ran for UK and he was, he ran in Olympic trials uh, last year. Okay. He's a distance runner. Um, and he's now living in Flagstaff and running pro. Right. Um, I've, so track's always been in our family, but I love shooting track and field. Your wife might want to go to Paris in 24, though, so you might have to do that one first. <laughs> she's already going to – she's hopefully going to London with this. The basketball is going to London in December. So is it a fa- she likes to travel when she can. Is huh? it a family affair there at the White House? Does everybody work at the university? No, no, just oh, myself. Okay. Uh, no. She works for nonprofits. <laughs> but um, she's just tagging along to go into London, huh? Yeah, she loves it. And it's great because she's gone on two trips this year. Like, she's flown out and then just stays with me at the hotel. She went yeah. to – Vegas and then Tampa. Um, it's, it's amazing. Cause I mean, you're traveling so much during basketball season. It's really nice to have somebody there with you sometimes. Right. Yeah. It, it becomes rough. You're just yeah. bouncing around from hotel to hotel and you're like your own guy just trying to bang out photos and get them out. Yeah. And we just got, we just got married six months ago. So we're still newlyweds. <laughs> yeah. So. Then you better. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, 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 you know this and I know this. You are very lucky. This is a great job. You are blessed to be doing what you're doing. You, you're, you're at home. You love that place. You make great images. I'm glad we were able to do this because uh, I am really impressed. You make some beautiful stuff. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'm honored that you even asked for me to be on here. So. Oh, hell no, man. It's you, super you're cool. making legit stuff. It's well, beautiful. We, stuff. we try. Yeah. <laughs> we try. And really, isn't that true? That's all we want to do. We just want to try to make great pictures. And if, yeah. if everybody would just get out of our way and just say, go ahead, create yeah. some imagery. Yeah. And that's the greatest thing that's happened in this job is that as we've excelled, that they just trust us. They say they need photos. Like they don't even come to us really with ideas anymore. It's just they just let us do what we're going to do. And we come up with the ideas. That's nice. Um, and they yep. go, yeah. When you do that, do you sit around with a group of people and you just start throwing clay at the wall and see what sticks? Yeah. yeah. Where are yeah, you getting your – leave me with this. Where are you getting your inspo? Where do you go to, to, to take a sneak peek and see, 
you know, what can fire you up for an idea? Instagram, honestly. Okay. I mean, I'm following my, my Instagram feed is, is, is a lot just like following photographers and, and people who light. That's my biggest thing is, is lighting and, and making sure that light just kind of sings. Um, yeah. And then YouTube, oh my gosh, you can teach yourself how to light on YouTube. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Like what's out there. Uh, that's what I try to tell our kids. And I also try to tell our kids that like, look, if you want to make any money in photography at some point, you need to learn how to light. Oh, absolutely. Um, you can go out and shoot sports all day long, but if you want to have, you know, learn how to light. Yeah. Um, it separates you from everybody else. It does. Uh, especially for commercial work. Um, yeah. but yeah, and I've got some really close, uh, coworkers that we will get around and we'll bounce ideas around and, and just, you know, get that brain working. Um, I've got an idea for this track shoot coming up. It's going to require two, uh, golf carts. Uh, or, you know, little four wheel right. uh, cars uh, that I'm hoping will work, but we'll see. You got to do you some know, behind the scenes on that. Come I, on. I know, we will. We will. It's that's the greatest thing is like having this idea pop up in your head and like making it happen and seeing things come to fruition. You know, it starts from an idea in your head and to actually seeing it on a computer screen. That's awesome. Where can so, people follow your work? Uh, I am on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm not as heavy on Twitter as I am on Instagram, uh, but mostly Instagram and Twitter. What's the Instagram handle? Let them know. Instagram handle is, make me look this up. Yeah. It's Chet, C, no, C-A White Photo. Okay. Now, do and you guys have one? Do you guys have a photo department for Kentucky where you guys put all your stuff? We do. Uh, and I've, I'm, I've really got to f- recruit somebody to take that over. Like, I, there's just so many things that I can can do and manage. Right. My goal is to, uh, next year I've actually talked about this is to have one of our recruit, uh, positions, have one of them take over, not recruit, sorry, intern, have them kind of take over our social media, uh, aspects. I'd love to push stuff out there all the time, but it's sometimes I just got to put the phone down. Right. Yeah. I saw, away. I think we're going to start that next year at Irvine. Cause I saw like, uh, Indiana photos does it and they do a great job of like doing the little offbeat stuff that doesn't fit, you know, the everyday game narrative, like you and I have to fill, they'll do something a little quirky. Yeah. That's kind of nice to see. They can, you can go to UK photogs. That's our Instagram, uh, kind of department. Instagram is UK photogs. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll post all that stuff, stuff on this podcast and you'll get a hundred million thousand followers. <laughs> that would be amazing. You know, I, so my wife loves Twitter and I, I was really slow to kind of, I just wasn't getting the, the, the feedback that I was used to on Instagram when I started Twitter. Uh, and then like I posted something on Twitter from a game and then this, have you ever heard of Kentucky sports radio? Yes. So they have, they're huge. Um, and then one of their writers went on Twitter and retweeted one of my tweets. And like within 12 hours, I gained a thousand followers. It's like, holy shit. Right. Isn't that That's amazing? Cool. It's just yeah. the right person retweets or reposts something of yours. All of a sudden, poof. Yeah. So like, my, my wife got me into it and then, you know, has, she promotes my work all the time. She's my biggest fan. Uh, and then, you know, these other writers started seeing it and they started promoting me. So it's, that's kind of cool. That's good. Cause you're making beautiful stuff, Chet. Uh, it, well, thank it you. Was, it was really nice to 
find your work. And I'm glad we were able to spend this time and talk about you yeah. and your path and what you're doing at Kentucky because it's, it's beautiful work there, man. I loved that part of the country. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad I made a new friend. Yeah, absolutely. All, yeah. all right. So if we don't see each other between now and 28, we got to make it happen. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pitch that. Yeah. That's cool. All Let's right. Let's do it, man. <laughs> absolutely. I appreciate it, Matt. All right. You're the best, Chet. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. Take care. See you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Just a Good Conversation podcast with Chet White. Be sure to follow Chet on Instagram at CA White Photo. Please click the like button if you enjoyed this episode. Become a subscriber as well. Please leave a review if you enjoyed what you heard. And remember to follow the Just a Good Conversation podcast on Instagram. You can find all the past shows on our website at justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.